Hey, uh, we're, we're just starting a new series this morning called No Greater Love, particularly as we head into Easter. And Easter is the centerpiece of the Christian calendar. Now, often Christmas is that as well, and of course it is, being the birth of Jesus. But Easter is, is, Easter is what makes Christmas a lot of sense. Jesus was not, he was born, but he was born to die. And of course, Easter is both the celebration of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, which is awesome. We're coming into that. But so we're beginning a series on this theme, no greater love. And there is no greater love. That, that God the Father would send His only begotten Son, Jesus, to come and save us, who, by the way, don't deserve saving and don't deserve the love that He's bestowed upon us. But guess what? He decided to give it to us anyway. And that's what grace is. Grace is love that's given when it's not deserved. And, and not only do we receive that from God, but once we receive the grace of God, we begin to share it with other people. And because the, the, the love and the grace isn't meant to be kept within our lives. Well, wow, how awesome is this thing I've received, but we're meant to be channels of it out into the community. So no greater love is received, but the part of the message and about this morning's message, the subtitle of the theme, No Greater Love, this morning is reaching out. And as we reach out to others, and, and look, I was thinking about this this morning as I was coming to drive in the Silverwater. I'm like, I'm preaching this message and reaching out. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. I feel like I'm preaching to the congregation, of all the congregations in Sydney that this message is actually alive in, it's this congregation. This is one of the most reaching out, loving, compassion-giving, mercy-releasing, power-infusing, faith-filled congregations in all of the city of Sydney. That was pretty good. I didn't even rehearse that. And please don't ask me to say that phrase again. But I meant every word. This place, you are amazing. I just want to tell you, you are amazing. This church is amazing. This congregation is amazing. And what you're doing in this part of Sydney, and guess what? It's only the beginning. It's only the seed. It's only the early days of what, what God wants to do. Because God, God doesn't do things in spite of us. He does things through us. We become the hands and feet of Jesus. And so I want to share this message with you, if that's okay. I better get moving because I have 23 minutes. So, hey, I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Peter. I haven't preached out of 1 Peter for a while. 1 Peter, remember this is in the series, No Greater Love. And I've entitled this message, Therefore. Everybody say, Therefore. therefore. So, random word. Say it again, Therefore. therefore. So, once again, don't be afraid to make some noise and shout me down, right, Chris and uh, Dorian? Hey, don't Dorian and Rose look good? I think particularly Rose looks good. I, I mean, she told us she was pregnant, but like, you can hardly tell. And you're alive right up here, jumping around. Come on, give it up for Dorian and Rose. They're such great people. All right. Who's ready for the Word of God? All right. Who's, who's leaning in? I've got to be careful because these glasses are for reading. When I look down, the stairs disappear. So if I take one big launch, <laughs> then somebody catch me. Okay. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. We're reading from verse 3. It says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, to an inheritance that is, watch this, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. 
Anybody excited? <laughs> we are, we, once you're born again, you receive an inheritance. Now, the whole concept of inheritance is that it's coming. You know, many of you have an inheritance, but you haven't got it yet. And so it's coming. An inheritance is coming. And we have a future in Christ when you're born again. And that inheritance is not small. And the inheritance, the Word of God describes that inheritance, which is no small thing. It is, it is imperishable. In other words, it, it won't be destroyed. It won't rust. It won't, it, won't, it won't rot. It won't do all those things that everything in our life does. And we live on the northern beaches and we have, you know, the highest grade marine fixture, lighting fixtures. And they said, this is the highest grade. Within a year, the whole thing is rusty and falling apart. In fact, I got up this morning and one of our light fixtures completely rusted out and fallen on the ground. And I'm, I'm trying to put it in. It's like, it just completely perished, you know, what have you. See, everything in life perishes. And then it says, but our inheritance is imperishable. It is undefiled. In other words, it's, it's holy, it's pure, it's, it's got no, no, nothing bad in it at all, and it's unfading. That's, I think that's exciting. I mean, now we buy jeans that are pre-faded uh, just to save the future disappointment. <laughs> so it's going to happen, so let's get pre-faded ones in any way. So, 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 but your inheritance in God, in Christ, if you're in Christ, you have an inheritance that is unfading. Now, who's ever been on a holiday? Who looks forward to holidays, anyone? Come on, I love holidays. I'm not, this is not a trick question. I love holidays. I love going, and the sense of like, it's gonna be amazing, it's gonna be incredible. Like, and I love, and when you first arrive at a holiday destination, I don't know, there's this mystique, there's this sense of like, everything's amazing. But after a week, it fades. Or two weeks, or after six months, it fades. I'd love a six month holiday, that'd be great. But see, in heaven, it's not, when you get to heaven, when you get to the fullness of your inheritance in Christ, it will never fade. In fact, it's going to get, every day is going to get brighter and stronger, and there's going to be more intrigue. I'm telling you, what you're heading to is absolutely amazing. Come on, give the Lord a hand for that. That's exciting. We, we, have, we have no idea. We have not even a millionth idea of how good it's going to be when we get there. Great, so that's good news, isn't it? Very good news. However, the, the scripture goes on. <laughs> there is a part B to this. I better get moving. I've got so much to talk about this morning. And then it says, to inherit an imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. By the way, this is the only part of life in which FOMO is real. <laughs> fear, FOMO stands for fear, fear of missing out. Now, fear of missing out. People fear of missing out on all sorts of things. You know, the latest phone, what have you. That's nothing. This is the only thing in life that you should have FOMO about. You, trust me, you do not want to miss out on this. At the end of this meeting, we have an opportunity for people to give their life to Christ, and you can remove all fit FOMO out of your life forever, which is good. Who's looking forward to that? Okay, then it says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, and this is where it gets interesting. Though now, if I say now, for a little while, I love that little phrasing there, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
So once, once we know, once we have the security of our inheritance, which is then, everybody say then, then we've still got to live in the now. And the now, it says now for a little while, if necessary, God's going to send these little trials of faith. I hate what I'm about to preach. Because every one of us know the feeling of the experience. All of you have been through some trial of faith. And it's interesting that it says various trials of faith. And I've discovered the trial of faith is always various. In other words, you can never predict it. You never know its type and you never know its time. You can't go, I so saw that coming. Oh, there, here it comes. Yes, yes, I think I get a little prepared. Da, 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 boom. Yes, that was easy. None of us experienced that. When the trial of faith comes, it comes by surprise. Its size, its dimension, its type, its timing comes our way. But listen, the trial of faith is designed to cause the tested genuineness of your faith. Because faith is not gen genuine until it's tested. And it's not genuine until it's tested. God does not want ingenuine faith in your life. He wants the real deal. He wants genuine faith in your life. And, and the genuine faith is the thing that keeps you going. Because faith is awesome. Faith, the Bible says there, is gold. It's more precious than gold. More precious than Bitcoin. More precious than your investments. More precious than real estate. The most precious thing in your life is faith. And as you hang on to that faith, it will get you to the result. The ultimate end of faith is the receiving of your inheritance. And yet I see people having their faith shipwrecked, leaving their faith. I can tell on Instagram all over the place when people's faith is, is shipwrecked or about to be shipwrecked by the wording and the spirit and the heart of their comments because they, as they get tempted by the world and their faith gets corrupted. But I'm telling you, as we hold strong to that faith, and it's often in the trial of faith that we attempt to escape the very thing that God is using to perfect us, to get us to a place of that place, which is awesome. I'm going somewhere with this, by the way. And, and the trial of faith is various. Even in James 1, it confirms that. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect outcome, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. And so various trials. And, and, and look, I'm breaking my own rule here. I don't normally share a trial that I'm currently going through, but I want to share it for your own encouragement. To, to, first of all, to let you know that everyone, no one is exempt from trials. Just because you walk up four steps under the pulpit doesn't mean, oh, it's, it's trial free up there. <laughs> yeah, quick, run up here. <laughs> it's not true. And so, and we, every, every person goes through trials. And, and I, I, I heard someone say recently, be kind to everyone because everyone is facing their own battle. Every one of you is facing a trial or a battle of some description. And of course, what happens when we go through our own trials, God gives us compassion for others and, and a heart for people in a greater sense, which is not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, we flew back home six weeks ago from the States and, and, and ref, uh, came home to some very bad news, news that we weren't expecting or wanting. And that is that our youngest daughter, Sasha, uh, who is 31 years of age, and has three little girls, the youngest of whom is eight months, who she's breastfeeding, uh, has, has contracted or has bowel cancer. 
uh, and it's a very serious disease, uh, and she is in the throes right now of going through very, very serious treatment. She's in day seven today of chemo, her first round of chemotherapy. And it's very tough watching her. It's all good. <laughs> it's very tough watching her go through that. But I'm telling you, as, as the trial of faith comes, God begins to do stuff. He begins to do things that don't come unless there's a trial of faith. He begins to cause faith to rise in you. Because you don't realize what faith you have and what faith you need until you have faith for a need. Until, until there is a need for that faith because there are levels of growth in that faith. And, and I'm telling you, I won't go through all the details, but the, the, the miracles that are happening and the, the miracle of healing hasn't happened yet, but I'm telling you, other miracles are taking place. There is a miracle of our family is extremely close. We have three children. We have six grandchildren. We're very close. But I'm telling you, an even greater closeness is happening. And a greater bond is taking place. That is, and God is doing miraculous things through our family as a result of the trial of faith. Because the trial of faith produces gold in you that otherwise wouldn't be happening in your world. And so I want to encourage you this morning, C3 Silverwater, whatever trial you're going through right now, you are going to make it through. Hope fills your heart. Faith fills your spirit. And I'm telling you, don't give up. Don't move out of the tunnel. Keep walking through that thing. And greater strength, greater anointing, and greater effectiveness, and greater gold is going to be produced in your life as a result. So whatever you're going through right now, keep walking through by the power of God. In Jesus' name. Who can agree with me on that one this morning? And it's interesting that the Scripture there says, I love this. It says, the trial of faith, more precious than gold, and the next verse is just as important, may result in praise. That it may result in praise. In other words, the aim of your faith, and, and dare I say theologically, that the primary aim of your faith is that it would result in praise. Not in answered prayer. The, the ultimate aim of your faith is not answered prayer. That is, a, that is a goal and that is a purpose and that God will do that. But that is not His primary aim. His primary aim is that it may result now in praise. And there are two, I found there are two types of praise, Mick. There's a praise because of things that God has done. And there's a praise in spite of what God is doing. And I found the first one easy. I found the because of praise I love because of praise. Oh God, I praise you because of the good things you're doing. I praise you because of, because of the beautiful wife you've given me. I praise you because of my beautiful children. I praise you because of my great grandchildren. I, I praise you. It's like, who loves that sort of praise? But God says, let me just send you a little in spite of opportunity. And, and God sends you a, a, an opportunity that there is no because of in it. And God wants to build in us a greater level of praise, which is a praise in spite of. Because it's in, the, it's in the context of the in spite of praise that He builds faith. Because in this, in because of praise, there's no faith is built. It is just something that God deserves. But in spite of praise builds faith and perseverance and hope and joy on the inside of you in spite of praise. The Bible is full of examples of it. Don't have time to go into them. Jehoshaphat leading the people of God into as the praises went out in front. There was no because of. They hadn't won the battle. The poor praise team were out the front as they're facing the enemy. Like, oh God, oh God, oh God. 
But as they praised, it routed the enemy. I'm telling you, as you praise, it begins to dispel the enemy. And suddenly, imagine how much faith that they would have got after, as they saw the enemy, as they saw the enemy dispelling, they would have gone, this is working incredibly. (laughs) I love the example of Moses. And Joshua, his servant, was down on the battlefield. But Moses on the hill in prayer. So there's prayer and there's battle. But what did Moses do? He raised his hands over the battle. And every time he had his hands raised, they won the battle. When he dropped his hands, the battle was lost. And so he kept raising his hands. I'm telling you, keep raising your hands over the battle. It's interesting that he had two friends, Aaron and Hur, to hold his hands up. I'm telling you, we need friends to keep encouraging us to praise. And they're the sort of friends you need to say, they may not have all the trite, pat, off-pat answers, but they've got encouragement in for you to say, hey, keep praising God, keep lifting hands. You're gonna get through this thing. I'm telling you, whatever battle you've got right now, keep your hands raised over that thing. Even the power of just, even go home this afternoon in your living room, whatever battle you have, literally lift your hands. I've been getting up early in the morning and lifting my hands over the battle of our daughter. And I'm not seeing any breakthrough. There's no, I wish there was. But there's miracles going on. And I'm just going to keep my hands raised over that battle. What, what, what battle have you got? Keep your hands raised over that. And the other great example is, the other great example is uh, Paul and Silas in a prison beat, beat to within an inch of their life because of the gospel. Thrown in prison. Now these weren't fancy, fancy five-star prisons. Not that there is such a thing. But these are pretty tough situations. They're, they're chained to a wall, probably their inner, inner organs exposed. And what did Paul and Silas do? Raise their hands, begin to praise God and sing. And as they sang, as they sang, it shook the foundations of the prison doors. But more importantly than that, the, the prison doors flung open. So it shakes, praise gets to the core of the problem. But not only that, it flings the prison open so that the actual freedom takes place. But even more than that, the prison guard, who was their enemy, had an encounter with God and came to Christ because praise eventually leads to the impact on the community. Praise leads because the the world is looking to see how we handle trial. No greater love, and of course the message is therefore, because we've got to get to verse 13 of 1 Peter. And this is the point of my message. Down in verse 13, having said all that, let it, let it result, let it be found to result in praise. Down in verse 13, it says, therefore, preparing your minds for action. Preparing your minds for action. Eventually, every one of us have to discover our therefore. We have to discover therefore. If I say therefore. Many Christians live in part one. They live in the anticipation of the inheritance. And that's all that happens. They go, oh, you know, it's the classic old pie in the sky when you die. It's all like, it's going to be great, whatever. I'll just hang on in the meantime. That is low-level Christianity. Some people live in just the trial. That's like, oh, yeah, we're just going to make it through. We're going to believe God. We'll get through this trial. But God says, no, no, no. I want you to live in the then, the anticipation of what's coming. I want you to live in the now and for the faith to grow in you and for, you, for your faith to become gold-like. But the Lord says, I oh, will have a third stage for us as believers. 
And that is that we discover our therefore. In other words, what is the then and the now for? The then and the now is to discover our therefore. What? That we gird our minds for action. In other words, God has a job for every single one of us. That God has even more important than that, God has a purpose for every single believer. Not just the guys or the girls on the stage, but everyone in this wonderful auditorium, everyone sitting, the person sitting on your seat is a called minister of the gospel. And you have to discover you're there for, and very quickly, and I won't go into it, I have a whole message on the theology of therefore. I love that word therefore, but, but quickly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 14, it, it, it says this, uh, and it's coming, it says therefore, I know it does, therefore, therefore, preparing, I can see it up there, no, that's uh, First Peter, that's right, I'll read it off here, all good. 2 Corinthians, oh, there it is. I found that as soon as you go to the Bible, we'll come back up there. Oh, 1 Peter, 2 Corinthians 5. You got that scripture? 2 Corinthians 5, and there it is. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Next verse. And he died for all that those who live should be no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Who thinks that's a good, good, good theology? Because he died for us, that we don't no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him who died for us. That's, that's awesome. Verse, next verse. From now on, actually the ESV says this, therefore from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I love that. Everybody say therefore. From now on. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. The first, therefore, the first thing that we need to understand. See, once we understand what's coming, once we walk through the trial of faith and we discover, uh, therefore, it changes our perspective on people. It changes how we view people. I was going to go into depth on the story of the Good Samaritan, one of the greatest stories in the New Testament, where, where a... Jewish scribe comes up to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, love God and love your neighbor. And then the, and the Jewish scribe goes, because he wanted to justify himself, goes, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus then tells this story of a man who gets robbed on the way from Jericho, he's on the road from Jericho, sorry, Jerusalem to Jericho, on that way gets robbed, beat up and left for dead on the side of the road. So it's pretty bad. Three people pass him. It's almost like a really bad joke, you know, like, you know, the, 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 the rabbi, the priest, and the monk, you know, but it's not like that. So a, a priest walks past, sees the man on need, half dead on the side of the road, and thinks, I think, I'll do, I think I'm gonna get defiled by his sickness, whatever. So he goes, crosses the other side of the road. Then a Levite, and all priests came from the tribe of Levi. So the Levi, who's like an assistant priest, goes, oh, I can't touch him. So he goes the other side of the road. It's interesting. I was thinking about even this morning that a priest would, would cause and train the culture of a Levite. And whatever was in us transfers down into the people that we're influencing. We need a new culture in the church. We need a culture in which we run to the other side of the road. But who was the guy that ran to the other side of the road? Not the priest, not the Levite, the Samaritan. Now, I'm not sure whether you know much about the, the Samaritan and Jewish relationship, 
It wasn't good. The Jews hated the Samaritans. Hated them. They were like a, a, a hated race. Like Palestinians and Israelis. They hated each other with absolute vehemence. But here is Jesus saying, the Samaritan was the one who crossed the road. So what is Jesus saying there? He says, the neighbor, your neighbor, he took it to the nth degree, the absolute extreme of someone that you, you hate. He says, even he is your neighbor. And everyone back, whatever stage or steps back from that also is your neighbor. In other words, whoever we meet in life, whether it's someone racially, culturally, religiously, gender-wise, sexually that we hate, God says, they are your neighbor. And that's who we're meant to reach out. So therefore, we see no one from a worldly point of view. The world looks at each other as they are different gender, they are different race, they are different culture, they are different. But in Christ, none of those barriers are there. In Christ, we are the therefore in this world so they can reach it out. Now quickly, verse, but yeah, come on, give the Lord a hand. He's awesome. All right, real quick. Next verse, really quickly. Therefore, everybody say therefore. <laughs> if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new has come. The second therefore, first therefore is we see people differently. The second therefore is that we behave like and act like new creation people. Our behavior must be different. If we can actually, because if we're the same as the world, then there is no difference. But if we in our business dealings, if we in our interactions, if we in our love for people are, are different, I'm telling you, that therefore is gonna make a massive difference in the world because it makes a lot of sense if we keep reading the next verse. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And we could spend a year on that one alone. Next verse, and that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Praise God. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. Next verse, here we go. We therefore are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Everybody say, therefore, I am the ambassador of Christ. The ultimate therefore. The ultimate thing, your inheritance, your future is secure. It's wonderful having a secure financial future because it releases you. But I'm telling you, you've got more than that. You've got a secure spiritual future. You're secure. Anybody excited by that? It's like, it's amazing. Going through a few trials here, but that's great too. It's all good because the trials are producing in me spiritual gold that no one else gets. Because the world gets troubles. You get trials. Because troubles without faith are misery. But trials with faith are gold. So you get gold on the inside of you. But it doesn't end there. God says, now therefore, you see people differently. You behave like a new creation. And we are the ambassadors of Christ. You stand out. I'm telling you, I feel so excited for Silverwood. I feel so excited for your life. Because even the stuff that you're going through right now is preparing you for an ultimate future that God is gonna bless you. But more than that, more than that, watch me, listen to me. Church, listen to me. You are gonna influence others. There are people who aren't sitting in, a, in, in this auditorium yet who are gonna be sitting here with an eternal salvation, not because of a message I'm preaching right now, but because of your influence on their lives. I could stand here and tell you story after story of pe people's lives impacted and influenced. 
And I tell you what, you, God wants to give you those stories because you are a walking therefore. You are a walking therefore. We, we don't go out of this place this afternoon with the only anticipation of coming back next Sunday. We go out of this place this afternoon ready to impact our, our friends and our community for Christ. No greater love. You know, it's the cross. Can we stand to our feet right now as we finish? Can we stand to our feet? If I have the band up, that'd be great. I love the fact that the cross is two axes, the vertical and the horizontal. And I love the vertical axes of the cross. My life has been reconnected with Christ. Anybody glad about that? Through the cross, my sins are now forgiven. I am free. The first 10 verses of Ephesians 2 talk about my freedom. The second 10 verse, versions of Ephesians 2 talk about the impact of my freedom. So it goes from the vertical to the horizontal. It says, therefore, if I'm in Christ, my relationships with other people, even those I'm hostile to, all those barriers have been broken down. And now I am a reconciler to other people. I bring the gospel. No greater love is here, but no greater love is there. I'm telling you, I believe across the world, it's happening all over the world right now. And our churches in every city around the world are seeing an impact on the community. Why? Because the church is realizing that it's not called to come to church, it's called to be the church. Our primary calling is not to come and, 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 and do church services. Our primary calling is to come and get equipped so that we can be the church and be the no greater love out there in the community, whatever that, that may look like. And I'm telling you, I can't get in your shoes, but I'm telling you, that impact, you're gonna meet someone tomorrow that suddenly, I got, an e I got a Facebook message yesterday from a man I haven't seen in nine years. I used to train with in the Northern Beaches and he moved back to England and he's moved back to Sydney on Thursday. First thing he did was message, Facebook message me and said, Mark, I hope you remember me. Can we get have a coffee? I need to talk to you. I've always looked up to you as a Christian and I wanna know more about the church that you, you talked about nine years ago. I mean, sometimes it takes a long time for that seed. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. You never know the impact that God is having, not on you, but through you. Keep walking out that trial of faith. You're gonna make it through, but you're gonna make it through because of others, amen? Amen, I wanna just lift our hands right now in the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. If you're going through a trial of faith right now, I'm gonna pray for you. Why don't you just lift your hands and why don't you just begin to lift your voice. Just begin to lift your voice, not in prayer, but in praise. I want, I, I want, I want some praise to begin to come out of your lips right now. Thank you, Jesus, right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. Come on, church. Let the, let the sound of praise begin to come out of your lips, out of your heart, out of your voice right now. It'll change the atmosphere in your home. It'll change the atmosphere in your heart. Suddenly, an impossible situation will become a possible situation. I'm telling you, God is turning gold and putting gold on the inside of you this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. God in heaven, I thank you to every person this morning. Lord in heaven, that breakthrough begins to take place. 
Lord, that praise begins to be perfected and result of praise begins to come out of their hearts towards you, Father. We glorify you, magnify you, lift you higher, lift you, Jesus. We glorify you, magnify you, lift you higher, lift you, Jesus. Glorify you, magnify you, lift our voices, sing your praises, glorify you, we magnify you, Lord. Father in heaven, I thank you for this amazing people, congregation. Father, whether it's a trial of sickness or financial issues, relational things, maybe it's an emotional thing, maybe it's a mental battle, maybe it's something so deep they can hardly, hardly even describe it themselves. But Father, I thank you right now with every hand raised, every spirit lifted, God, I pray, God, that you would show, you would reveal yourself to them. Like Jesus, you're the fourth man in that fire, Lord. I thank you that you would reveal yourself to every person in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, they would come out of that right now in Jesus' name. Father, we praise you and give you all the glory. And God, I thank you that every one of us would discover our therefore, discover the purpose that you have called us to, God. That there wouldn't be one inactive Christian in this house, but activated, life-filled, God-seeking, people-loving people in this house, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. You can put your hands down right now. Just